Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Welcome to Puto Politics, the political podcast of the San Antonio Express News. My name is Gilbert Garcia, Metro columnist, and I'm joined by business editor and columnist Greg Jefferson. Investigative reporter Brian Chasnoff. Recording this on the, the morning of uh, Monday, February 22nd, uh, while the city and the state are both recovering from what is was a devastating um, you know, winter freeze last week um, that resulted in more than 4 million Texans being out of power for an extended period and millions of Texans without water. You literally had people in the state freezing to death, uh, people... Uh, who needed dialysis, who had their power off and couldn't, uh, and, and couldn't get that, their treatments, just all, it was just a, a humanitarian crisis, uh, the likes of which we've, we've rarely seen, uh, statewide in Texas. And, uh, we're, we're trying to kind of make sense of what, uh, what happened. Uh, you know, there are a lot of questions about, uh, Texas power grid and, uh, and what, what effect, uh, that had uh, on on what we experienced last week, Brian. I wanted to start with you. Uh, you know, you co-wrote a story, a Sunday front page story, on uh, on what happened last week, and uh, I just wanted to kind of get a sense from you in in reporting on the story. You yeah. know, what what stood out to you as far as you know what happened and and why it happened. Sure. So, I mean, the way I went about reporting the story was I, I called called up the mayor. I called up. Uh, uh, the, the SAWS CEO. And I just asked them, what were the most momentous uh, moments, uh, if you will, from the, from the entire experience? What, when did you realize the magnitude of what, what was happening? And um, for the mayor, Ron Nuremberg, he, he kind of highlighted the fact that on, on Sunday, you know, city leaders have been meeting around 4.30 PM every day to, for the coronavirus uh, briefing before the coronavirus briefing to get updated. And, right. and they met that day and they, they talked a little bit about the storm. And, and really the only thing that was on their radar at that point were, were the icy road conditions and the, sure. the threat of uh, car accidents. And uh, Ron, uh, Mayor Nuremberg didn't really understand what was going on until 3 a.m. Monday morning when, um, you know, he was awakened by some alarms going off because uh, some devices in his home had lost power. Yeah. And so that, that really highlighted, uh, just how this, com- this caught, uh, everyone off guard. Uh, I mean, why that happened was because ERCOT, uh, the nonprofit that manages the flow of power in Texas, uh, did not even raise this as a prospect to, uh, officials and leaders across the state that, that this was, uh, um, yeah. That was amazing to me. When, 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 the, yeah, when you, when you, uh, you basically the, the lead of your, of your story was basically about how Ron Nuremberg really, he got no warning. He had no idea that these so-called rolling blackouts were going to be happening across the state. Um, uh, That's right. Yeah. And then another thing, another little tidbit from the story that kind of highlighted how this took people, people by surprise. 
later that morning, uh, just a, a couple hours after Ron Nuremberg was rudely awakened, um, CPS Energy cut power to a major pump station, a, ma- a major San Antonio water system pump station near the University of Texas at San Antonio. And that's critical infrastructure and it, and that has an immediate cascading effect because these pump stations are interconnected. So that, that shut power to at least four other pump stations. And you might've heard that the, the folks uh, on the far North side of the city have been kind of struggling with some of the worst of this in terms sure. of water outages and so forth. And that's kind of where it began. And um, you know, CPS didn't alert sauce when they did that. So that, that was sort of caused a lot of, panic at the, at SAWS, um, when that happened and Steven Klaus, the chief operating officer at SAWS told me that he thought the entire city was going to go dry overnight on Monday. Yeah. And, and, you know, the, the situation SAWS was, was dealing with as the week went on, you had, you know, pipes bursting and uh, just, you know, there's a lot of repair work that's, that's ongoing. And on top of that, they had this this issue with the, the, the pumping uh, stations that you mentioned. You know, Greg, when you look at this, because, you know, ERCOT is, I mean, they've been compared to sort of like an air traffic controller. They sort of manage the flow of power in most of the state. Uh, El Paso is is a part of a, a separate grid. But um, when you look at, at, at what happened, because, you know, I certainly this was, uh, you know, really bad freeze, very unusual for Texas. But I think it was unusual because it, it lasted so long. We had about, I think, about six days of freezing temperatures. You know, we had a couple of snowstorms. It was it was unusual, but at the same time, I mean, when you look at it, um, I think we we really hit, the freezing temperatures really hit, um, as I remember, like the morning uh, Valentine's Day, which was the, that Sunday, and by late Sunday night, you had blackouts being mandated by ERCOT because they did not because. So, you know, there was supply and demand problems happening here. And so, and I mean, are we going to look and, and say that um, it's, this is a once in a, people are saying, well, this is, this never happens or it's a once in a hundred year thing. This was basically about one day of, of freezing temperatures and the grid collapsed. Um, so what do you make of what Yeah, exactly. Happened? I mean, yeah, I mean, so it, it got cold enough, long enough to very quickly, you know, cripple, you know, a number of power stations, both those fueled by fossil, you know, by fossil fuels and, and renewables, they both, you know, they both were kind of hamstrung and you had wellhead, you know, natural gas wellheads freezing up. Uh, so yeah, I mean, it was, it, the, the, the impact was dramatic and it came quickly, but we knew about these vulnerabilities after the, the winter storm in 2011. I mean, the, you know, FERC, the, the, the uh, federal uh, energy, commission, the basically federal regulators, like they issued a report following that debacle, you know, in 2011. And they pointed out, you know, the, the fact that, you know, there's, there was too little weatherization of not only power plants, but, you know, distribution lines and other, other assets to get, you know, electricity to the market. And, you know, we took a very Texas approach to it and left most of it, almost all of it, um, all of the recommendations, uh, to, to the power producers as, yeah. you know, uh, an effort to volunteer, <laughs> you know, there were, yeah. there were no mandates yeah. coming out of this. I, I think well, this is going to be, yeah. I can't imagine that there won't be actual enforceable regulations, uh, following this. 
Well, th- yeah, th- this is what happens. I mean, I, and I and I, uh, I think what we saw here was a variation on on kind of a, a Texas uh, sort of ethos that that has that that comes into play with with all of our you know politics and our our policy, which is this idea. Well, you know, this is this is you know that thing in two thousand eleven. That's nah, not going to happen again for a while. And we want to keep prices low, and we don't really and we don't like regulation, mm-hmm. and we don't care what the feds say. Right. And so so all these things kind of merging into saying. Look, you know, we, we, we like our low prices and, 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 uh, you know, it, I think there's so much of what the, the state does, um, has to do with this kind of short-term thinking. And I, I, I mentioned in the column I did last week, you know, if you really think about how we've handled public education, public, uh, public health, particularly mental health services, mm-hmm. transportation, a lot of it is, you know, we liked low taxes. We just don't want to pay for this stuff. And, uh, so, you know, we, Short term, everybody's happy, and then long term, we we start to we start to see the problems and the cracks. Uh, well, yeah. Uh, so, and, uh, I mean, I, but I also have a question. You know, overlaying all of that though is the fact that we've been living under a pandemic for a year, and I got to think that that's even even in Texas, my guess is that's changing the way we think about the value of government and you know what it's there to do. You know, to protect point. people. Uh, so I mean, it 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 feels a little different than it did in 2011. It's you know I think maybe right. Texans are a little less cowboy minded. <laughs> maybe they might be up, they might be up for a little more regulation. Maybe. Yeah, well, I think there there well, is some change. Uh, didn't didn't Governor Abbott say that uh, Texans should never have to experience this again? So let's yeah. let's see if that. Uh, yeah. Well, we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> hey, hey, Brian. Like uh, one of the things that was interesting. I mean, this was obviously a statewide crisis, and the the issue with grid management. This was a statewide failure, but locally we had a particular thing happening, which was. ERCOT at the state level is telling the the power companies you're all going to have to do these rolling blackouts because we're just you know we don't we don't have enough supply right now. Um, but the way that was implemented in San Antonio, uh, it did not roll in this way where the pain was distributed evenly across the city. Uh, there just seemed to be so many anecdotes of you know people going 40, 50. Yeah. 60 yeah. hours without power and then other people hardly being affected at all. I mean, what's your sense about what happened? And I, it's maybe getting kind of technical as far as CP, CPS Energy's explanation for that. But what's your sense about that? Well, the, the easiest way to just explain this is that there, there are basically three different sections of the local uh, grid, if you will. Yeah. Uh, one of them is uh, cr- critical and those weren't supposed to have been shut down at all. Although now we know that they were um, yeah. on Monday, at least the SAWS pump station was. But for the most part, like hospitals and uh, other other places that are deemed uh, essential, uh, those were those didn't lose power as much. And I, I have friends who, like for example, one friend lives near a military base, and her house did not lose power right. at all. Sure. Um, and uh, but then you have a, you have another third of that that's. Uh, and I don't, uh, I apologize. I don't fully understand the technical nature of this, but yeah. I think Paula Gold Williams described this, this section of, of the grid as high frequency or, or something like that. Um, mm-hmm. but anyway, that, th- those didn't lose power as much. And then you have the rest of us who are on the, the lower third and, and, you know, it was just rolling blackouts and, but still even among, even among those, that section, there, there didn't seem to be much rhyme or reason. Um, yeah. my, my power went out a lot, but it didn't go out as much as other people's I know. So I think there's still a lot of questions about that. 
Um, I think that actually might be great. I'm fortunate. To, oh, I, I was just saying, I'm fortunate to, to live next to the med center, which is considered uh, yeah. critical infrastructure. I mean, I hate to say it because of survivor, survivor's guilt, but I didn't have a moment without power last week. It's amazing. Uh, but, I, you know, I also think it's worth pointing out that, um, you know, once ERCOT started mandating uh, cuts to CPS, and this started early, uh, early Monday morning. Uh, the 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 demands quickly grew. I mean, CPS had to cut an ever larger amount of power. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I mean, that contributed to kind of the chaos. In addition to that, you had equipment failure because of the weather. I mean, you had a lot of things going on in San Antonio with our power grid. There, there are going to be a, a lot of, uh, there already are a lot of uh, uh, questions about this and a lot of, uh, a lot of anger from, from uh, lawmakers. Um, we've seen, uh, County Judge Nelson Wolf, he sent a letter to uh, Governor Abbott uh, calling for a uh, basically a repeal of the deregulation of the electoral system that that was was uh, passed in 1999 and went into effect in 2002. Um, Lyle, Lyle Larson uh, reposted a letter that he sent to then Governor Rick Perry in 2011, calling for the abolition of the Public Utility Commission and wanting basically its responsibilities to be rolled into the the duties of the railroad commission. So there can be a lot of questions or, and, uh, and thoughts about this. I mean, what I would just say is, is when, when people start to assess where we go from here and so, and what we do to avoid this ever happening, I think that there needs, the issues that, pre- that really need to be looked at are what are the effects of deregulation, uh, to 20, you know, two decades ago. And is that something that the state really wants to continue with? Um, also the state, uh, in that go it alone, Texas spirit has, its own grid. It is not part of an integrated multi-state grid as, as most of the rest of the country is. And I think the reason for this, Greg, you know, probably know more about this than I do, but I think the reason for that was if we're not part of a multi-state uh, grid, uh, we're operating on our own, then we're not subject to federal oversight. Um, so I think that, that that is something that the ability to yeah. be able to share power with other states as part of an integrated grid, I think, would have benefited Texas a lot in this situation. And the other thing, uh, <laughs> even, uh, even go ahead. Okay. No, I was, I was going to say, even though former Governor Rick Perry, you know, go, you know, he gives an interview in which he says we're all grateful, and no, I mean, <laughs> go that, that far, but he said we can put up with blackouts like this uh, to avoid federal regulation. He uh, must have been in Cancun at the time. Yeah, That's, yeah we're going to talk a little bit about Cancun in a minute, but uh, yeah. It's amazing. I think that it, it really speaks to the fact that Rick Perry, uh, whatever you, you wanted to say about him when he was governor, I think he he probably had his finger on the pulse of Texas politics. I think that statement last week reflected someone who was completely out of touch with the thinking in this. I don't think people were yeah. thinking last week, hey, three or four days, you know, no power, f- freezing temperatures. I, I it's, it's worth it to keep the feds off our backs, you know? Um, yeah. The yeah. other thing I, I wanted to mention um, is the... Getting into the kind of market that Texas Texas has basically what's called an energy only market, which means that buying power uh, from power generating companies as you go along, whatever you need on a day to day as you go basis, you're you're paying for it. The the thinking being that it it keeps prices down. Um, There's other states, many other states have what's called a capacity market where you're committing long term to buying, uh, you know, capacity power and it, and this way you know it's it's it, you're you're kind of assuring yourselves that you're going to have that power when you need it 
the argument has been that uh, who people among people who don't like it is that it's more expensive. Um, the the capacity market generally allows the uh, the power generating companies to ha- they have more resources because you're committing all this money to them up front, and so they can spend more on building more power plants, hopefully uh, maintaining their infrastructure. Um, and I think that there's there was debate about this several years ago in Texas, um, but I think this is going to be renewed. And one of the things that that is really interesting is we're now there's now all this outrage about. The, the, this this price gouging that's happening because of of the crisis last week, and we're hearing about uh, the prices, which would ne- generally at wintertime be I think under fifty dollars per megawatt hour. They're now to like nine thousand dollars per megawatt hour. What I think people need to realize is this price gouging is kind of built into the Texas system. It's kind of it's this part, kind of part of the energy only system where it's. You're, you're buying it as you go along. And if, if something comes up where you have a, a, a short supply and you need extra uh, energy, they're, they're going to be, they're going to charge you a lot. And it's, it's sort of expected. Yeah, exactly. and it, it's a gamble. Gonna, it's a risk. That, yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you're going to live by supply and demand, you're going to die by supply and demand. I mean, I mean, a lot of what's behind like this really dramatic spike you've seen, or you saw late last week, and energy prices was driven by, you know, basically the cost of um, natural gas. Yeah. I mean, it went from being dirt cheap to being, you know, thousands of dollars per cubic feet. I mean, it the the shift was dramatic, and, and a lot of our right. power in Texas generated from natural gas. So, I mean, that that drove a lot of it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you're right. I mean, that's you know, you're you're you are a slave to that kind of that kind of demand curve. And as recently as like August of 2019, when we had uh, you know really uh, hot summer in August of 2019, uh, prices went up to more than nine thousand dollars per megawatt hour. Then I mean we, we we tend to forget this you know, but that's this is not this was a pretty recent thing, and it's it's happened before. And so the gamble with the an energy only market is that short term prices are lower. I think with capacity market you have greater reliability, more consistency. You're probably paying more. Uh, in the short term, but long term, mm-hmm. it probably evens out, and you have more reliability. I mean, uh, I think it's at least something that the state needs to debate again and figure out, uh, you know, what what we're going to do going forward. Uh, Greg, I also want to talk to you a little bit about uh, the great column you wrote about HEB and about uh, their ability to to handle uh, crises in a way that maybe uh, ERCOT and other state entities could learn something. Right? <laughs> and, our, and our state leadership doesn't have. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, HEB, HEB has, you know, in 2005, they put together a, kind of a, a plan to deal with hurricanes and pandemics. And they've been, you know, they've been working on it, kind of fine tuning it since then. You know, they have a, they have a full-time year-round, basically cheap chief of emergency preparedness wow. he's on staff you know full-time has been for years and they prepare for major weather events like this and you know they they were kind of ahead of the curve last year in preparing for the pandemic so you look and you know look i mean of course you know of course shelves at heb were pretty pretty bare last week Right. But I mean, the store was open and they were getting supplies in. I mean, food stuff was coming in. It's just that, you know, with icy roads and tie ups among their their suppliers, 
you know, they, they were dealing with all kinds of, di- you know, difficulties like every grocer, grocer was in town. Uh, so you couldn't get everything you wanted. But I mean, it, it, I think they performed as well as could possibly be expected given the circumstances they, you know, they were encountering. You definitely can't say the same about city or the uh, the state leadership, <laughs> you know, from yeah. from Greg Abbott on down, and including Urkai, you know. I can't remember who it was that, I mean, uh, that, that said this on social media, but it was something like if HEB was like a, a person, like it would probably like win election, a statewide election over anybody, you know. Uh, I mean, oh, yeah, there, there are a few things, yeah. A few things that people, the Texans uh, agree on, but I think uh, like love of HEB is is pretty universal. Um, what, there was also the story which has gotten some national attention. At, uh, the town of I think Leander, which is close to Austin, they had an incident where the power went out there and people were in line at shopping at HEB, and the, the people mm-hmm. at HEB just said, "Just go on ahead, just just take 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 whatever you have, and just let them basically uh, leave." Um, mm. without paying because it was under the circumstances, they just, it was more important to, to just, uh, just make sure that people had what they needed. And, uh, which I, again, right. Yeah. is pretty amazing. Yeah. And I mean, you have to keep in mind it's, you know, it's, you know, HEB is, you know, they're, they're in it to make a profit, right? I mean, like this is not sure. a nonprofit entity, but this is a company that understands, that you know the the real test of of whether you're there for a customer is in a crisis right so they understand they they take the long view and they know that if you know if they're there to help customers through a winter storm or a hurricane or a pandemic like that will pay dividends in the future you, j- just in terms of their reputation and in terms of customer loyalty i mean yeah. hgb is pretty pretty forward looking in that, in that respect. Yeah. It's, it's, um, well, uh, among the, 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 uh, the people or entities that came out, uh, looking not so, not so well, uh, last week, we have, uh, the junior Senator from, uh, junior U S Senator from the state of Texas, Ted Cruz. Uh, um, he was one of, you know, many people in the state who lost power. And on Wednesday, he and his family, uh, took a trip to Cancun. Uh, I, I think he wanted to kind of do this pretty quietly, but the word got out. And on Thursday, he uh, rescheduled uh, a flight. I think he was the intent was to to come to stay through the weekend, but he rescheduled flight, came back by himself Thursday. Uh, there was a, a lot of sort of a misinformation from Cruz uh, about it. He basically uh, it blamed the trip on his daughters, saying that they wanted to go. Said he was gonna, he was being a good dad, was going to drop them off and then come right back. But then later he admitted that he had planned to stay with his family through the whole weekend. Um, Brian, what were, what were your thoughts when as this story started to break? And and I'm I don't know if you were still dealing with power uh, outages at your home at the time, but you know a lot of Texans were. And yeah. uh, what, what what did you make of this when the story broke? Well, uh, you know that he left his poodle at home, right? Snowflake, and the yeah. poodle's name is Snowflake. <laughs> yeah, that, I mean you can't you can't. Well, I mean my reaction is you can't you literally can't make this stuff up. Um, because it wouldn't be believable. Um, but I, you know, maybe it's just because I've, I've lived in Texas most of my life and I've just been pummeled into submission, but I actually don't think that it's going to dent his career, uh, (laughs) too much. You're probably right. Um, just because, yeah, I mean, it's one of those things that, uh, you know, national press make, make a huge deal of and, and, 
you know, my, my personal feeling was that, it, you know, it ought to be a, a, a mortal wound for him, uh, politically yeah. speaking, but it yeah. probably won't be. Um, and I think his, his efforts at damage control might've, might've insulated him from, from any, uh, permanent damage. I don't know. What do you think? Uh, what do you make yeah, of it, Greg? I mean, I mean what, do, oh, go ahead. no, well, I'm to me, curious. I mean, the whole thing. Yeah. I mean, to me, it, like it kind of sp- speaks to how, you know, Senator Cruz thinks about the role of government, right? <laughs> like, I mean, yes. he's, he's nakedly ambitious. He wants to, you know, he wants to run for president, but I mean, you, you just get the sense from, you know, episodes like this, that like he, he thinks about politics only in terms of gamesmanship, right? Like yeah. this isn't, he's not in government to do things, <laughs> you know, he's, sure. he's there to execute a strategy to get himself either reelected or, or to win the Republican nomination for the presidency. He doesn't have he doesn't have a list of things that a lot of p- politicians do that they want to accomplish in office for their home state or for their district. Right. For him, it's just, you know, what is going to advance his political career? What what's going to enhance his prospects at the next election? And that there's really nothing more to it than that. You know, episodes like you know, his trip to Cancun just, you know, to me, it just it just underscores that uh, you know even more. Yeah, uh, there obviously there were a lot of uh, there's a lot of national ridicule about it. Uh, Saturday Night Live went to town with it. Uh, the I think my favorite meme uh, regarding the trip was uh, uh, if you like pina coladas and getting caught on a plane. Um, <laughs> but it was you know the thing about it is I think Brian's right in the sense that you know he's not up for re-election for three years. Uh, the, the the challenge for Democrats will be the, the challenge that they've had in the past, you know, putting up a, 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 a credible candidate in a state that is, is will probably still be very red in 2024. I mean, one of the interesting things about Cruz is that he'll probably be running for president and running for Senate at the same time, which p- people can do in Texas. So that will be that interesting thing to watch. But, you know, I think that uh, I think there were some Republicans who were unhappy with him. He's, I think there've been Republicans for a while who were in, in Texas who were unhappy with him, but you put up a Democrat against him and then that Democrat will be portrayed as, as a communist and, and, uh, that people, even Republicans who don't like Cruz that much will, will in many cases, you know, hold their nose and vote for him. But I, I think that it did kind of play into this, this idea that, uh, you know, constituent services are just not really, that important to him. And I, a lot of his defenders were saying, well, you know what, he doesn't have any power over the grid. What could he have done this past week? And his, you know, and, and I think we all understand the idea that if you could, if you could get out and get away from, from, you know, being in a, in a, a home without power, I mean, I think people can relate to it, but nobody made him run for the U S Senate. And there were more challenges and more problems uh, and more suffering last week than any number of, you know, that, that all the public servants in the state of Texas could deal with. And, it just seemed that um, part of the job under in that situation should be you stay home and you do whatever you can, whatever small parts you can play uh, to to help. And we had, uh, you know, uh, people like Justin Rodriguez locally delivering blankets and water to people. We had, uh, you know, Beth O'Rourke doing hundreds of thousands of uh, uh, welfare checks with with his volunteers. So it it just seemed that that. Um, this this is should be part of the job in a crisis, and um, I think it it probably was not a huge surprise, but it it, it did uh, offer further evidence that that's that's a part of the job, as you said, Greg. That that Ted Cruz does not particularly uh, 
It, it's not particularly interesting to him, I don't think. Um, yeah, we're the idea leave. that we're all in it together. Yeah. <laughs> I think we're going to uh, end things there. Um, we hope that you all uh, made it through last week. Uh, okay, and that you're doing better now. And uh, we, look, we appreciate you listening and uh, take care. We'll be back next week. Bye.